You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. We almost brought like the same shirt tonight. I know. It happens a lot. I feel like. Do you know there are two kangaroos on the loose right now? Where? As we speak. In America? In Northeast Ohio. Where'd they escape from? They don't know where they're, they don't know where they're at. Where did they they escape from? from? Brewster. What? Where's that? Where? Brewster, Ohio. Is it like a from a zoo? They know. Is I that heard they're people mean. have been calling in kangaroos. This is very random, exciting. Random bit of information. Who knows? We could leave the church tonight. Kangaroos. They travel how far is Brewster from here? <laughs> I've never heard of Brewster. Hey, Siri, get directions to Brewster, Ohio. Getting directions to Brewster. Then turn left. What's the distance? 58 miles. An hour and... 15 minutes. Imagine, though, if they're trucking. <laughs> like, if they were trucking right now, by the time we came out of this podcast, they are terrifying when they're angry, though. What Good kind of news are you watching? I've seen a man punch a kangaroo. <laughs> that was on my phone. Needless information. <laughs> he was going to kill his dog. What would you do? A kangaroo was going to kill his dog? Yeah. I didn't know kangaroos were violent like that. They are. When did you start coming to the upper room? Uh, 2017, I think. How'd you how'd you end up here? How did you end up here? I was coaching track at Youngstown Christian Valley Christian. One of my athletes is the youngest sister of three, Tess Emerson. So it's actually her brother-in-law who owns the physical therapy clinic where I worked in Canfield for several years. And then their middle sister is somebody that I've just kind of connected with off and on. And so she was at one of Tessa's track meets and we decided we were going to get coffee. And then she sent me a text and said, oh, by the way, I'm inviting my friend Wesley. I think you're really going to like her. And so it was Wesley Broderick Detweiler at the time. Wesley told the story of how they met, how they got to be close friends, I guess. And it was a pretty cool God story. And I was like, well, that's that's cool. Because she was telling about how she kind of just had this picture from the Lord for Rachel. And she shared it. And I was like, well, any place that encourages people to, first of all, believe that God is actively speaking and involved in our lives and also, you know, equips you to like share it, I thought was pretty cool. And I had been looking for a church I mean, since I moved back to the area for like several years, really trying to intentionally find a place to plug in, and I I hadn't yet. And so I said, where do you go to church? And she said, the upper room. And I came the next week, and here we are. Yay! I love it. And that's from That's the Vision, where people are just out in the world doing their daily thing, but bringing Jesus with them. And other people notice. They're like, oh my gosh, whatever you have. Like, I really like that. It's been a while. I know. <laughs> it has been a while. Check, check, check. Have you listened to them? I did this week. <laughs> so can you get an idea of what? <laughs> I listened to Jana and Jamie's. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, you didn't send me the questions until a few hours ago, and I need a few more weeks than that to come up with some answers. <laughs> Jenna's a true five. It's true. I'm so sorry. No, not that you're <laughs> a, five. Like a five. No, that I didn't send you the <laughs> questions didn't send you sooner. The questions. <laughs> Your fiveness is you wonderful. You needed to ponder them and do research. Are you okay going off the top of your head? 
Uh, well, probably not. But <laughs> <laughs> How do you do research for yourself? I did read some of my more recent journal entries, and the last five years' worth of journals are in my car right now. So just in case I need to reference them. <laughs> Like, put this on pause. Just hang on a second. I got to the car real quick. What's the name for a five? Myers Briggs. I'm the investigator, but I think a five. Bonus oh, it is well. the investigator. Maybe is it's it? something. Yeah, something different from Myers Briggs. Myers Briggs is the architect. Yes, I love it. What's our name? The Achiever. That's a three. <laughs> I took a break and I didn't work. And then I came back on Monday morning and I was sighing loudly in my office by myself. And I said, it wasn't rest that I needed. I needed stress to go away. I'm like, it's bad when you're sighing in a room by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I am reading this amazing, oh my gosh, it's a really short little excerpt on the emotional life of Jesus. Hmm. And I mean, it had to have been written in the 1800s. It's, it's old school. But I'm at the portion where it talks about Jesus sighing. It is fascinating. Jacob just met with a rabbi because he wants to know more about the Jewish tradition because Jesus was a rabbi. Is He he should listen to the Bema podcast. Direct him towards that. I turned the, it on last night for the first time. And Bema? I, yes, but I don't think I made it past three minutes. So good. B-E-M-A, if you're looking for a great podcast, the Bema podcast, it's like a discipleship through the Old Testament. He's studied under rabbis. He was talking about Sabbath and Shabbat. Jade and I were like, ooh, that sounds good. We should be a little bit more intentional about that. How are you at Shabbating? Not good. It was funny you mentioned that because it's not just a, it's not just a three thing, I guess, with the feeling guilty. On my trip that I took this spring, by myself, a lot of places I didn't have cell service or anything. Mm. I'd hike until it got dark and then make a fire and cook and sit and talk to God. And he literally flat out told me that my inability to rest was idolatry and and unwillingness to surrender control and putting myself in charge of all that. So that was conviction. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm still dealing with it, especially with a new new job. So it could be better, my ability to rest. You're working on it. Yeah. I love that so much when people come and talk about their little admonishments or the smackdowns they get from Jesus. It makes me so excited because I'm like, he loves you. Yeah. He loves you so much. That just makes me excited. Jesus admonishes and teaches and disciplines those that he loves. We're bad about that. Maybe you need to go out in the woods without your phone in the dark. I was on the beach. I'm just kidding. I'm not sending you to the woods in the dark. That does not sound fun. (laughs) I don't love the woods. That's not where I see you. I finished three books on the beach in the shade and found some beach glass. That's wonderful. (sighs) Night, night. When are you going to bed? Is this bedtime now? Now that you have like a wild job, you're in the big leagues. Mm -mm. Are you a night owl? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I we got a planner. It's nice. It's got like weekly goals and it's a 12-week planner. And it's because it's got like your weekly goals and your 12-week goals and your year goals. And how's this going to make you a better person and change your life? And what happens oh if you don't do your goals? And then gosh, I know. And what are the action plans? That does not sound restful. There's a lot. Um, <laughs> there's a lot there, which I don't use. But for, for like the day-to-day stuff, um, it's got like a hour by hour. And then your main four things that you have to get done. And then like other little to-do list things. And then like some really short with 
two lines. What victory are you proud of today? How could you grow today? You know, those kinds of, what are you grateful for today? And then the whole right page is just like blank. So you can treat it as like a journal or whatever. So I kind of do that because I was having a hard time shutting my brain off with my new job because there's not a lot at this stage where I'm like fully completing a task to check it off my list. So it always felt like this stuff hanging over my head. So it's been helpful for that. So my goal, my weekly goal, one of my weekly goals was to be in bed before 11, but it hasn't happened yet this week. So <laughs> 2 a.m. last night. What are you so, doing? Well, my neighbors are awesome. Zach and Emily Dorm. Bridget Spada. Oh, gotta have Bridget on here. Shout She's out. gonna be wild. You gotta, Bridget, you gotta get in here. Bridget. Get anyway, in here. We get together usually as often as possible, once a week-ish. So we were hanging out, bonfire last night. And then because I'm an introvert, I have to go home and sit alone with nothing going on for an hour before I go to bed. So that's, <laughs> that's how we got to 2 a.m. Seriously, I love that so much. It's fun. They've created this little neighborhood community, and they mean it. They hang out mm -hmm. with each other. They know each other's lives. They have bonfires together. It's very cool. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Beth. It's Kate. And we are here with Miss Jenna York. Welcome, Jenna. Woohoo! Thanks. <laughs> so glad to have you on. It was like scheduling calisthenics to get our yeah. schedules to jive, but you are here and we're happy to have you here. Are you happy to be here? We got you a new <laughs> fidget toy. <laughs> I don't need it. The one week that I do remember to bring the fidget toy, like no one wants that. She's not a fidgeter. No. Jenna was born in West Virginia and moved with her mom and dad, there was no sister at that time, to Columbiana when she was six months old. She's the oldest of two daughters. She went to real life kindergarten through fifth grade. And then when Heartland formed, she went to Heartland in sixth grade. Rumor has it, Chris Holm was a big bad senior when she was in sixth grade. <laughs> and Katie Perkins was a 10th grader. You remember them? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Remember, we always got excited when I saw you at Pizza Hut, Kate. I did. I worked at Pizza Hut. <laughs> I was the window girl. Yeah. After sixth grade, she trekked on over to Crestview and graduated from Crestview High School. She was a rebel. She went to Mount Union. She finished in three and a half years and got a bachelor's in biology and then moved on to Ohio State University where she got her physical therapy doctorate. She's a doctor. Doctor. Oh, I should re-announce you, no, Dr. Do Jenna that. York. After doctorate school, she <laughs> was a traveling PT. She got a permanent job in Southern Ohio because she loved the company and the family that ran it and was there for two years. It was a little too slow and a little too quiet in Southern Ohio. So she jumped back into traveling physical therapy. In 2015, she began teaching at Mount Union. She was an adjunct professor teaching anatomy. And also she did travel PT at the same time. Her life changed in 2020, along with all of us, but it affected her career greatly with COVID because Mount Union stopped using adjunct professors and she switched jobs and her physical therapy clinic closed and she had a non-compete agreement. And so she was stuck in limbo for a while. She was unemployed from January 18th to August 1st, 2022, and tell us what you did in those months. Lots of stuff happened. I helped throw a wedding shower and bachelorette party and was in the wedding for Sarah, 
who some of you might know, Sarah. and Sam. And then my niece was born on March 28th. And that was also the day I started a cross-country road trip. I ended up going to about 15-ish national parks and national forests and hiking and camping and staying at the Bureau of Land Management free campsites and stuff by myself. And it was awesome. Incorporated like a a week and a half stay with my new niece and, and of course my sister and brother-in-law <laughs> during that time. But let's just focus on the important person in that group, <laughs> Gambria, my new niece. And yeah, and so that was a pretty cool experience that I've wanted to have for a long time and never really had six weeks to take off work. So being unemployed kind of allowed that, which was fun. Jenna also became a homeowner in the nicest town in America, in Columbia, Ohio, in 2020. She enjoys the outdoors. She bought a kayak, biking, gardening, reading. She plays the guitar. She's the newest member of the Upper Room Fellowship Worship Team. Mm -hmm. You can find her in the back of the stage on the right-hand side playing guitar. (laughs) (laughs) She likes to be in the back right now. And she just recently got a job teaching at Walsh University. She's teaching the physical therapy program for first-year students at Walsh. So she just started last week. She's been a member of the Upper Room since 2017. She's a five on the Enneagram and a INTJ on the Meyer Briggs. That'll tell you a little bit about Jenna. But we're going to find out more about her. So thanks for coming today. It's early for her and Kate. It's like midnight (laughs) for you. (laughs) So anyhow, Jenna, tell us who or what turned your light on. My family, I grew up in a Christian family, which I think a lot of people in America probably did at one at one time. I don't know how common it's becoming, but mm. I did. And it was like a really solid foundation, truly not just, you know, something handed down like a tradition to go to church or whatever. But I remember, I think it was during vacation Bible school. My mom was running the vacation Bible school. We were at the Nazarene Church in Columbiana at the time, and I wasn't really old enough to go, but I was there anyway. And then we came home and we were just at the dinner table and I said, I want to accept Jesus into my heart. And so it was kind of like four years old. And since that time, there's been a lot of growth and change, obviously, thanks Jesus, but no big dramatic stories or walking away or whatever. There have been for sure some key formative things that have happened and there's always room to grow, but it's just been a continual journey since then, ups and downs and, and deserts and rivers, but um, it's it's been good. And God's been super faithful through all of it. As a young person, I'm thinking teen in college and then post-grad, were you plugged into churches or communities? Yeah. So in high school, my experiences with church have been not fantastic throughout my kind of growing up years. It didn't always feel very welcoming or comfortable. I have said before that if I based my experience with Christianity or God based on my growing up church experiences, I probably wouldn't be a Christian. So I'm super, super thankful for like actually knowing Jesus and that it's not just church or church people. 
but it wasn't anything big or dramatic or traumatic. It was just not a super welcoming environment for a teenager and that's trouble. But um, I had a good group of friends and Pressview, I don't know if they still do it, but at the time, Mr. Fabian, who is still there, I know, um, was helping to lead the Fellowship of Crestview Christians. So it was like FCA, but they made it inclusive. So but you didn't have to be an athlete to, to do that. So we were meeting, you know, Thursday mornings before school and that was really good. And then in college, when I moved in to Mount Union, into the dorms. My RA was right across the hall and I didn't know it was going to happen this way, but she was actually, when I was a senior in high school, I went and did an overnight with the track team because I was on the track team at Mount Union. I threw javelin and discus. Anyway, and so a senior in high school and they let you stay the night with a couple of the girls who are on the team. So I stayed with my friend Desiree. She's actually still my friend now. And when I moved in, she was already right across the hall. So I already knew her. She's a Christian and she invited me to go along to she went to a bunch of different Bible studies on campus. So I went along with her to those and really got plugged into, you know, all of them, but especially one that was called The Edge. And it was a ministry from what had originally started as just a like a Bible study, a group of people who decided they wanted to do missions. And so they would go overseas, but they didn't, they weren't a church. They were just a Bible study. And then it grew into a church and they sponsor Bible study groups on Mount Union and Stark State and Malone and some different campuses in the Stark County area. And I think they still do, but that's the one that I got like super connected with. And they had, you know, like worship came in and the people who started the Bible study eventually got ordained as ministers and, you know, had the church and the whole thing. And I did several missions trips with them. And that's where I think I can mark, you know, in my life where I grew a lot spiritually and things really became kind of real and just deepened my personal relationship with the Lord kind of raised expectations. Some of the some of the things I'm sure you've heard Chuck talk about some of the stuff they've seen overseas and I think just a different environment and atmosphere and you can see some things that are dramatically different than what you typically see in the, in the states and so where'd you go? My first trip with them I I didn't really want to go on it. Everybody came back. They just gotten back a couple weeks before the Bible study started on campus. My you know, fall my freshman year and they were all talking about they'd gone to Africa. They were there for like several weeks. And I was like, that's amazing. I'd love to hear the stories. I'll sponsor you and pray for you when you go have fun. And then like throughout the winter and like early spring, I really just felt like the Lord saying, you should go, you should think about it. I want you to go kind of thing. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I don't really want to do that. I don't, this is a big stretch for me to do just this podcast right now. I avoided it for a long time, but that's uh, why it was <laughs> scheduling. <counts. laughs> no, I avoided it before I even agreed to schedule. And then the scheduling issues were convenient. Um, <laughs> but back then it was really like, I don't like talking period. Um, but especially about like personal things or like, you know, praying out loud. And so I was just like, I don't really want to go on this trip. And then the Lord kept asking and asking, and I finally was like, you know what, fine, I'll go, but I've got to get permission first, and that's never going to happen because it's an eight-week trip to three countries in Africa. It's just not going to happen. So I called my mom, and I was like, hey, I, I think like I'm supposed to go on this trip. And she said, yeah, I know. I felt like God was telling me that a, a few weeks ago. I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. So the first trip with them was to South Africa. For eight weeks? Uh, yeah, it was eight weeks. My first Man, ever missions right trip. I know. Field. Yeah, it was Woo. the entire summer. And um, we were in South Africa for a week, uh, Mozambique, working with Heidi and Roland Baker for three weeks, uh, three and a half weeks, and then Ghana for 
four and a half weeks. And then we came home and started school again. And that was a lot. It was a lot. It was very full on, um, but also, again, very formative and a lot of growth. And then after that, I went to Sao Paulo, Brazil, a few different times the, the next summers between you know, schooling. Again, we were actually, we helped with kind of starting Iris Ministries in Sao Paulo. We were working with a local pastor there. So um, it was really cool. Um, a lot of growth. I think that kind of ties in with one of the questions you sent me ahead of time about like, I can't remember what it is specifically, but kind of what, what turns your light on or, or what makes you shine or whatever. And it, Heidi and Rollins ministry is really all about stopping for the one. Their stuff that they've done in Mozambique has exploded and it's changed the whole country and they've trained thousands and thousands and thousands of pastors and rescued tons and tons of kids from from the street and Heidi's big on saying that they're, you know, they're not orphans. They were orphaned but they're, you know, not anymore. They have a family and they're brought in and yeah, so that was a big a big point. And in, in Columbus, when I moved to Ohio, moved to Columbus and went to Ohio State, I had a great church. I was kind of nervous about like stepping out and finding a place, but that at that time, YouTube was kind of starting to become a little bit more of a thing. And like, I could kind of get online and look at some different churches and I ended up going to Vineyard there, um, which was really great. It's massive. I think they had at the time like 24,000 people a weekend attending. And the pastor was really, he would stand up regularly and say like, if you're here, you've got to be in a small group. They had over 200 small groups. It's too big. You can't be connected. It's really not what the church body is supposed to be if you're not. And my small group was awesome. And so I had a great experience throughout my time in Columbus. And then I never intended to be a travel therapist, but it's just kind of how things shook out at the end of the day. And then I, I tried it and I liked it. Um, so after the first one, I went to Australia, back to Australia for six weeks. But when I started traveling, um, I think that's kind of just another example of God's faithfulness because I would only be someplace for like three months, but I always found like a really solid church. And even if it was just like a person, but like some level of community and encouragement and connection with the Lord, that was really cool. And then when I took my permanent job, there just was some residual stuff from not fantastic church experiences that was sort of coming to the surface at that time. And so I got my job. I, I was there because I already knew my coworkers. I had done a travel contract there. And my friend Kelly is an occupational therapist. Kelly had asked, and around September, I think she said like, you know, are you finding a church? Are you connected to church? And they went to the Lutheran church and she's like, I don't really, you can come with us, but I don't really think it's like going to be your speed, kind of like what you're looking for. There's a really good church the next town over in Chillicothe. And I've heard a lot of good things. You should check it out. And I did, and it was good, but I was like still not feeling like I wanted to connect. Between being an introvert and a five and having some not fantastic church community experiences uh, kind of coming to the surface. I was just like, mm, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm still a Christian. I still love Jesus. I just don't really want to connect right now. I was home that year for Christmas visit or Christmas or New Year's or something. And I, I remember I was brushing my teeth, getting ready for bed. And God was like, you need to go. You need to go back and you need to do it 
like now. And so I did. The next Sunday when I got back to town, I went. And the the pastor that day was casting like a vision for like the future. And they were doing these discipleship groups. And he said, if you're in the church, we want you to be in a discipleship group. And I was like, I wasn't up for that. Like going to church is one thing and signing up to be discipled and mentored in small group and whatever. It's a whole nother ball game. But I felt like God was calling me to be in this church. And I knew he was. He's calling me to be under the leadership of the church and, and the vision of the leadership. So I did it. And I got, again, some really awesome community and stuff out of that. So that's pretty much it. And now I'm here and it's great as well. So that's been the very long answer to your <laughs> short question about church and community. That's I great. love it. I like a long answer, cover it, because I feel like we can all probably say we've had great and not great experiences with church. And so I just appreciate that your heart has been to attempt to continue to find a place, to find a community, even in the midst of your saying introversion and all of those things. I'd rather not hang out with people right now. I don't really need a community right now, but listening and obeying the voice of Jesus and yeah. it's good. And fives, I don't know if Chris is like this, but fives, the less I'm around people, the less I feel like I want to be around people, the less I feel like I need people. And it's really easy to just like, if you pull back a little bit, it's like, I'm good forever and always. I just go live in a cave. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So Chris says, I'll just go live in the woods. <laughs> so Jenna, tell us, what lights you up? Well, outside of Jesus-y things, I'm, I'm a nerd. I like learning about biomechanics. I don't care that I'm spending nine hours to make a one-chapter PowerPoint because it's fun. I think it's great. So I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> Or like being out in nature, that trip was awesome, traveling, those kinds of those kinds of things. But probably the real real answer that you're looking for is, uh, again, tied into kind of that. Preparing for that first trip, we learned about, you know, the ministries we'd be working with and Heidi and Roland Baker and Mozambique and uh, her whole thing about stopping for the one. That really just seems to fit for me more than anything else had people tell me I'm an intercessor. And I, I agree with that, but I never really did agree with it until I kind of realized that it's a little, I always thought like, oh, like pray for the world, pray for wars to stop, you know, giant crusades. And, you know, you see a video clip of Reinhard Bonnke or Billy Graham crusades and it's, I mean, it's chilling, it's amazing, but it's like, it doesn't light me up. I mean, it does to see it happening and to know it's happening. But for me to be like, yeah, I'm just gonna pray for that every day in my life. I can't, I can't, I don't have the passion to follow through with it. But if God drops a person, an individual on my heart, it doesn't matter if it's somebody I know personally or somebody I saw in the news or whatever, like if there's a person that God puts on my heart, I will pray every day until I see something move or change or God changes my heart about it. But like, that's easy for me to really get invested in individuals. It's easy and it's not. It's easy because it, I feel like that's what God put in me to do, but it, it's still a struggle with, you know, being an introvert and stuff. Can you give so, us an example of stopping uh, to pray for the one? <laughs> when I was teaching, I mean, there's been a lot of times where God would highlight a person and I just would feel like I needed to pray for them. And sometimes I knew for what, and sometimes I didn't. But this one time it happened, I was just like, okay, God. Literally, it was the first day of class. I didn't know anybody from anybody. I didn't even know people's names, but I just started praying. And over the course of time, things kind of started to come to the surface of like some of the things going on in this person's life. And I was like, well, that's 
makes sense why God asked me to pray, but also they're pretty big and pretty heavy. And so I was like, you know, God, you flat out told me to pray. And, and I've never heard the audible voice of God, like he's talking out loud to me, but it's like just, it sounds like my own thoughts. You know, it sounds like my own head, but it's totally undeniable that it's, that wasn't my idea. That wasn't from me. And so for like, I knew that I knew that God had called me to pray for this person. And I also knew that these things are really big things going on that most of the time would be written off as like, that's just, that's just the way things are. I was fully expecting like, yeah, I'll pray, I'll pray, and I'll pray. And it's kind of like, you know, in the Bible where it talks about like some people plant the seeds and some people water the seeds and some people reap the harvest. I was like, I'll, I'll water, I'll plant, but I know, you know, I don't expect to see this and I don't care. Like, I don't need to see it. I'll just pray into it and believe that you're going to do what you want to do, God. And and then he kept kind of speaking things like prophetic things over this person's life to me at random times, like while I was mowing the lawn and like different times. And I just would start praying. And, you know, there's a lot of really cool worship songs that I feel like are kind of like warfare and declaration as well. And just prayers for people, but keeping that person in the center as, as I worship and do it again, God, or like, you know, you listen to a sermon where I think it was a Bethel sermon and they were talking about how we are riding on the shoulders of people who have gone before us. And that just kind of got me starting. Like if God has done anything remotely miraculous, anything remotely life-changing in the past, like he's the same God who can do it again today. And we don't need to think about things in the context of don't put them in a box basically and so I kept praying and then out of the blue person came up to me after class I was there late I didn't have an office I just kind of appropriate whatever classroom I could get into that was open and they came up um, we were just talking about things and and they're like well I better go study they had like finals coming up I was like okay and then this person said like, are you religious? And I was like, well, let me tell you, no, but I know Jesus. And like, you know, there's a difference between relationship and religion. And like that spark, uh, I don't even know how long the conversation, it was probably like four or five hour conversation. By the end of it, this person who, who I fully expected to never see fruit produced because of my actions, you know, I thought somebody else would. I knew something would happen because God said it would, but I didn't think I would see the results. And by the end of that night, they were a Christian, they started going to church, you know, everything changed, everything changed. And that was God, not me. I think one of the biggest things I learned in that situation is like, we can't change a human heart. People can't change a human heart, but God can. It's not my responsibility to try, but it is my responsibility to live like Jesus did and let him do the work that I can't do. That's kind of what my passion, what lights me up is trying to reveal Jesus in everyday interactions so that people who maybe don't want anything to do with religion or maybe don't know who Jesus is or whatever would see it and notice something different. And it's been a surprising number of conversations with a surprising number of students and patients and all kinds of people that I never really expected to be talking about Jesus with. You know, we spend a whole physical therapy session talking with my patient about church and how they grew up and where I go to church. And then the next thing I know, they're here, they're here the next week. Or, you know, this person, this student of mine ended up, they started a Bible study for the whole physical therapy program. And they're, I mean, over the course of time, their time at Mount Union, I think, I mean, we probably had at least 10 or 12 students from Mount Union who came here to church with them. So it's pretty cool just to see and to know that I'm willing and I, and I hope that my life's modeling Jesus, but that it's not because of me. Yeah. I mean, I didn't do that. That was just, 
I was just willing to be used. And I think it's easy for me. I know at that time, like on the one hand, I felt like super stressed and super overwhelmed. I was working like several jobs and there was a lot going on in my life and I felt totally out of control. And my instinct is to try to control everything. And it was literally, the load was to the point where I knew I couldn't. So like waking up every morning and like intentionally, literally, Literally, I'd get out of bed and get on my actual face on the ground next to my bed, physically demonstrate a posture of surrender because like I couldn't do anything that day. But I think because I was there in that position, like it made me aware that God had something for each day. And that's why I think I was able to even hear him in the first place when he asked me to pray for this person. And if I hadn't been in that position, acknowledging my need and acknowledging that I can't control everything and I can't, you know, I can't hold it all together. I can't get everything done. It's just too much. I don't think I would have been approaching like just a normal work day Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, my natural instinct to control things tends to block. I'll go through months of time where I'm like, I haven't been, you know, I haven't looked at this day intentionally at all. I've looked at it like a checklist. And then I realize it and I try to get back to where I was because I think I grew and learned as much from that as anything else in my life. And it's not like I'm looking backwards and trying to like re-get what I had then, but bringing the things that I learned into what's going on now is really important for me, I think. That's a great segue into the next question. Oh, there's more. Taking, <laughs> oh, yes. taking what you've learned into where you are presently. And how are you letting your light shine? Right. Yeah. That was something that was difficult when I was unemployed because I was like, I'm not, I am like a stop for the one person. I don't have a personal ministry. It was COVID. I wasn't connected with anybody. I wasn't working. Everything was shut down. I wasn't doing things socially. It was a big struggle. It led to like a serious desert time of why am I here? What am I doing? I'm not working. I'm not connecting with students. I'm not teaching. I'm not being a physical therapist. I'm not connecting with people or community. I'm not being Jesus to anyone because I'm not leaving my house. What the heck's going on? And it was a, yeah, it was a big struggle. And I don't know if I know all of the things that came from that season, but I do know one of the things that I kind of learned was I don't look for desert seasons. I don't hope for them by any means, but if you're in one, it's going to happen to everybody. And, And what I don't want is for it to amount to nothing. There are things that only, I can only learn some things in a desert season. And if I don't make use of the one that I'm in, then it's going to have to come from another one. Or it's not that I don't want to go through them because I don't want to subject myself to them, but how easy is it to be faithful when things are going well? But like, how can I learn faithfulness when things are a struggle? When I feel like I don't have a purpose, how easy is it to tie my purpose to the things that I'm doing and the fruit that I'm seeing and the, you know, the connections I'm making. And and then when that stuff goes away, can I... Like, I can only learn in the moments where when it's not there, like, what am I outside of outside of these things? And so trying to learn those things in the middle of COVID and unemployment and all kinds of craziness was really a challenge because I didn't feel like I was letting my light shine or having my light shine or even had an avenue or a possibility, like a possible outlet to let it shine. So that was difficult. I thought it was interesting. I was listening to Chris's podcast from his sermon last week about... You shall be called Hefzibah. Oh, thank you, because I was not going to pronounce that right. (laughs) But something that caught my eye said, I'm not a worker. You know, and I think sometimes we identify ourselves with our work and 
our productivity and what are we producing? And he has you in a season where you can't do that the way Mm -hmm. you've used to be doing it or have functioned your whole life. It makes you... Yeah. <laughs> it makes you stop and pause and say, okay, then what? what is my name? Yeah, for sure. What are some of those lessons that you gleaned out of that time period? I'm not even sure. This would be a... That's fine. We can pause. <laughs> <laughs> there are, I think, I think, several things, I guess, that I learned from that season. One is that that season, again, was one where it felt like, uh, you know, it was so long with COVID and it was disconnected from everything. And then it was like, I don't really want to reconnect with anything because it's easier. But then that's, again, like that kind of brought to the forefront. There's workers and then there's also like literally who, how am I living my life for Jesus when I'm not interacting with anyone? Not at work, not at home. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to work. I'm unemployed. I'm not at home with anyone because I live by myself and I'm not in community with anyone because I'm not going anywhere because of COVID. So that was that was a big, I guess, kick in the butt to get me like back into community as much as you know possible, as soon as possible, which is good. I need regular reminders of the value and importance of committing to community even when it's not necessarily easy or even like all the time fun. Like I don't think it's really supposed to be just about me. And then what was left, I guess, during that time is just God. You know, he's always there. I started called The Prodigal Son, something, Henry Nowen's book. What's it called? Do you remember? Yeah, I think it's The Prodigal Son. Is that, or The Return of the Prodigal Son. He... Have you finished it? No, I just started it okay. like a couple days ago. Tell me your thoughts. Well, he had a Bible verse in there. It was John 14, 23. And it was like seeing it with such fresh eyes. I was like, is that actually a Bible verse? Or is that like his interpretation of the Bible verse? So I went and read it and it's actually the verse. It's like, I don't know. I never really saw this before, but this is the Amplified. I have it at the top of my Jesus Thoughts notes in my phone. I have journals everywhere. Beth, on my phone, in my car, just anywhere. (laughs) But yeah, it says, Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he'll keep my word and obey my teaching and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home, our abode, our special dwelling place with him. That was the part that I never really paid attention to, I guess. I mean, I've heard it. I think probably many people have heard that verse. And people say it all the time, like, Jesus lives in my heart. But literally, like, God, what's left when I don't have work and I don't have community, I don't have anything, it's like God is left because he chose to live with me. And, you know, Colossians says it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, like Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Henry Nouwen in this book wrote... In reference to like viewing himself as the older brother, he said, I'd been working very hard on my father's farm, but had never fully tasted the joy of being at home. And he said, to make my home where God has made his, this is the great spiritual challenge. And I think that is one of the big things that the whole situation with COVID and unemployment and whatever, like forced me to learn. And I'm obviously still learning because this was this week that I'm reading these phrases. And it's Mm -hmm. like, wow, that's really good. Can I be at home with myself? Because it's not just myself, it's the Lord. And when everything else seems like it's gone totally to pot, is it okay still because it's me and him and like, this is home and it's not what's going on or what I'm doing or what I'm being successful in. It's me and him, you know? And so that's probably one of the big things that I am still trying to learn from all of this. Those are good lessons. Yeah. If we could all get that down. I mean, I know that the question is, 
how do you let your light shine? But where is your light coming from? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if we could all get this, that God is alive and living inside of you, and that's, that's the light. And the preparation in that, I think, makes us brighter lights, better lights, bigger lights. If we could wrap our heads around being at home in ourselves with the presence of God in us. Yeah. So good. Yeah, that was just from earlier this week. <laughs> but it, it, where else? I Fresh hope, off the press. Yeah, oh, I okay. hope my light will be shining at Walsh. I love that it, it's a Catholic mm-hmm. university. They We had new employee orientation on Monday, and they literally were like, if you're a person of faith and you know your student's a person of faith, we encourage you to like pray for them if they come in and they're having a hard time. I was like, this is awesome. You know, so I'm excited for that opportunity. We started our staff meeting on Thursday with prayer, not like a liturgical prayer, but a prayer. <laughs> So it's cool. I'm excited for those opportunities. And and even if it weren't, you know, a traditional Catholic university, that's the first time, only time I've had a job where it didn't feel like a job. And it was when I was teaching specifically PT students. So I'm really excited for interacting with coworkers and students and and I'm very excited because I wanted Jenna to stay. Yeah, part of my road trip was going down to North Carolina to do a second interview. I had second interviews there and in, well, two places in North Carolina and one in Tennessee. So. Yeah, she's going like Belmont. All these horrible, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Well, I bet since like you've been to Africa and Brazil, do you have wonderful, amazing, wild stories to share? The last question is always, you know, share a supernatural story my most supernatural one was the one from mount Mount union Union. yeah all right we'll share something else we were in brazil and this isn't even my story this is just i was there but uh, we were having worship and there was a high school student on the trip with us and he had a picture of an eye, eyeball, like an eye. And he went up to the front. They said, you know, if anybody has something wrong with their eyes or whatever. And there was this young girl, I think she was about 12, who had been blind from birth and she obviously had some trouble with her eyes. So they prayed for her and then she could see. So that was pretty cool. And she was going to the doctor, like the the day we were leaving to go to a different city, she was going to go to the doctor and get everything checked out. But she was still seeing like several days later. So, I mean, that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I love how you talk about, you know, Heidi says stop for the one. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we feel like if we're not doing things that are producing great big numbers or something that we think has huge impact, then we don't matter. And I think your story about stopping for the one and just, you know, when God puts someone on your heart to pray for them, it may not seem like a big deal, but it really is because Jesus cares about the one. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, the the story in the Bible where, you know, the shepherd leaves the 99, goes to find the one lost sheep, and he's more happy about that than the 99 that stayed where they were, that that's such a great testimony. I think we live in a society where everything's about numbers and, you know, how many followers do you have and likes do you have and comments and numbers, numbers, numbers. And that means absolutely nothing to Jesus. And he just wants you to be obedient. And how do we change the world one life at a time? Yeah. When I was younger, really young, like elementary school, but then like kind of all the way through like high school, I used to feel like bad that I hadn't like led enough people to Jesus or whatever, because mm. I thought there had to be like a bunch, <laughs> you know? 
I mean, in the Bible, Jesus preached to crowds, but like the people he talked with and the people we know whose lives were changed and the people who went and started Christianity, started started a Jesus-following movement were the people he spent time with one-on-one and did life with and walked through difficult things with and who he challenged. And again, I think it's, I think there's definitely a place for both things, evangelism and and those kinds of things, but it's just not what I'm called to. And so it feels like kind of like hit and run, <laughs> hit and run Christianity, like here's the message and whatever, but I'd much rather take time and get to know somebody and walk through the stuff with them. And that's how God wired me. <laughs> that's really great that you know that, that you know yourself enough. God knows you enough that he would not put you in a situation where, well, I don't want to say he's not going to put us in a situation where we're not uncomfortable because that's not true. <laughs> Here I am right now. <laughs> but he, he wired you this way and you're obedient to that. And so I think that's really important. And I think it's great. I love having introverts on here. Kate and I are not introverts, but it's great to have introverts on here because sometimes people don't get to hear your stories and they get to hear it. And I think it also can give people courage like, well, I'm an introvert too, but I can do this and I can share Jesus with people. And it's not necessarily, you're not being asked to go on a crusade. You're just being asked to show kindness and open your mouth and speak to that one person. Yeah. And it starts with kindness. It doesn't start with me wanting to share Jesus. It starts with me wanting to love people like Jesus. Right. Yeah, that's good. I love so much in the scripture when it talks about Jesus seeing people. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, and Jesus saw them and knew that he could save them. It was, (laughs) and Jesus saw them and felt compassion for them. Mm -hmm. It's always the beginning of the foundation of love and the compassion that comes out of that. Yeah. So good. And sometimes, like you had said earlier, we don't get to see the end of the story. I mean, it was so great with your friend that you got to see the end of the story and got to play a part of that. But sometimes that's all we are is showing kindness and showing love to people. And we don't get to see the end of their stories. If they get enough people in their lives that point them to Jesus... The prayer is that they'll they'll say he's worth it and want that personal relationship with him. Got anything else? Nope. Let's go see if there's kangaroos in the parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Kangaroos in Australia. Something else. Marty's home. Kangas? No. (laughs) Roos? That's my cat's name after. Roos. Well, Jenna, thanks for being on our podcast, our show tonight. So glad to have you here. And we look forward to seeing you on stage, in the back, on the right, behind Rob. <laughs> they call them boomers. No, that wasn't what I was thinking. I think it's right. Uh, though. That's Flyers. Right. No boomers. No, it was like a mean name. What? Maybe I was thinking of the dogs, dingoes. No, like mean, like. <laughs> Sometimes they call them ruse, a joey, keely. A skippy. Any of those? Well, as long as we don't get attacked by the kangaroos that are loose, <laughs> make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye.